This is Dan Myler, host of the longest-running Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast in the industry, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Join me and my co-hosts, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price from DynastyLeagueFootball.com as we use 60-plus years of Dynasty experience to analyze news, walk through startup and team-building strategies, and highlight trade targets to keep you on top of your Dynasty League year-round. It's a different topic each week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, but the common theme is always the same, helping you build the ultimate Dynasty roster. Join me, Dan Myler, along with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price, each week, year-round, for the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. I may or may not have forgotten if I usually do this before or after the, the, the first of the two theme songs. I, I don't know, I'm not really a professional. Let's admit it. Uh, I thought we'd take a break from the regular season today, especially when we're doing the weekly show uh, with Dynasty Outhouse on YouTube and Twitch and stuff already. And uh, we'd take a look at fuzzy thinking, specifically thinking about BMI and rookie evaluation and how the combine sucks. because this week's been kind of crazy for me and just in case anyone uh, is aware uh, Kentucky had a really big and bad storm recently but up front like we have no reason to complain especially considering the stuff that happened to so many people um, this weekend uh, we're good uh, if our house could have literally lifted up on water and floated down the road and we'd still be good everyone's happy healthy and safe do not be concerned. I have no reason to complain. But it has been a kind of crazy week for a number of different reasons. Um, so this episode is a little off kilter, even for the Dynasty Crossroads, where I don't stay on track or follow the season or really present actionable information this week. It's not a weekly podcast. I am doing that uh, YouTube show with Dynasty Outhouse, which again will be uh, streaming at 9.30 for weekly takes and start sick questions and trade questions and i hope you're checking it out really love to see you there but uh dynasty crossroads i try and stay more holistic an honest conversation where i don't try and turn things into sound bites trying to break down into the to the full view um of what i think i can express that is helpful and useful and seems to i honestly think and be continuing to try and make my uh process more accurate like, I'm not trying to brag about how accurate or great I am. That's, again, not what I try and use the crossroads for. But, um, like, rookie ranks were pretty good this year. I think I did better job than I did last year and the year before. And that's literally all I'm trying to do. I'm not, don't have anything to sell. <laughs> I don't have anywhere I'm trying to get to or a follow account or anything like that. I'm just trying to get better. 
what's the way of saying this? Um, I want to increasingly make be more accurate in the fantasy decisions I make, as accurate as I can be, um, and try and help others do that. And uh, so, yeah, that includes less sound bites, and it's less fun in a way, and definitely less, uh, what's the word, exciting? Like, I can't just present to you a magic fix, and therefore, obviously, and make everything sound like it's easy, um, or like it's simple. Because it is easy and simple, but sometimes it's not the kind of easy and simple we want it to be. What am I trying to say? Well, um, this week, uh, Devontae Smith got back in my timeline thanks to Jacob Rickroad. He just had to start that BMI debate as early as possible. And, and I recognize that this week, uh, I recognize this week that I'm going to have to get back into my market share database, my college database, which I haven't been in since the off season. Um, and if you think you get lost in, in, in my sheets, uh, you should see the raw versions with extra columns identifying and calculating things. Like, honestly, it takes me a second to re-familiarize myself with everything I'm trying to do in them. Um, or how I'm doing everything. And uh, honestly, with uh, Devontae Smith being on my mind, I checked out the Combine tab and I remembered everything that I hated about it. I did a video about it this offseason where I presented what it was trying to show and also some of my conclusions based on my research using Combine numbers. Um, for all positions, but specifically for wide receiver. And, uh, yeah, I remembered everything I hated about it. I remember now what I was trying to present, and it, it is how I think about it, but it's really hard to understand. I, I knew it at the time, especially when I was making that video trying to show um, what I was demonstrating. Like, without my description, the table was really complicated, and it didn't need to be. I felt pretty, pretty convinced of that. So, um, and I'd even left it half finished. I haven't, I hadn't written the formulas to show the numbers for tight end, for example, because they're actually pretty complicated or time consuming, sorry, not complicated to write. And I just bailed on it when the close of the off season happened. So I went back and I recreated it in what I think is a simpler, easier to digest way, but still because the trend is a trend show what I was trying to demonstrate. So I put a version of that in the, in the you know, my, 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 all my shit's free, guys, girls. Um, like, it's pinned to my Twitter timeline. It's on Patreon. It's got all my college data going back to 2001, um, all the way up to 2021. And uh, I rebuilt my Combine uh, tab. I realize now that I rebuilt my Combine tab in not the raw version, so I'm going to have to recreate it again so that I can continue don't have to keep building it, but that's a problem for me. So what I've done is basically go through through all the combine stats that I've got listed in my database and looked at two categories, an over and an under the average stat for players drafted in the first three rounds. So for example, wide receivers drafted in the first three rounds average a BMI of 26.8. So that's just a natural average of a group. Now, the fallacy of the average aside, the average is useful just for articulating um, well, the consistency of a group, so you know something about what a reasonable number looks like for any particular stat. And so I felt just looking at each stat with an over the average, over an equal to the average, or an under the average, and the hit rates of both groups would present exactly what I'm trying to what I was trying to show without a lot of extra columns. 
So to give you an example, um, and for a baseline, so hopefully you can recognize what is a quote-unquote good hit rate group, what I'm trying to show is that proportional to how often they are drafted, most combine stats, the signal for most combine stats, drop off significantly. Now this got to a point in the offseason where like a legitimate statistician who's interested in fantasy dropped in, or I dropped in his DMs and uh, I, he's a legitimate statistician. I'm just a mumbler of grinding. I get it. But, like, I honestly don't know how you get to some conclusions just running my peepers over the data. And I really try to understand where it was coming from. But he, one of the conclusions he suggested to me was that players have gotten bigger, faster, and stronger over the last 20 years. And it made no sense not to recognize that. Which would be true, except for the fact if you look at the average of even successful players over the last 20, 30 years, they haven't gotten bigger, faster, and stronger. So I, I don't know. We're just talking from two different perspectives. Now, I might be practicing very clear. I'm just throwing it out there. I might be practicing sophistry because I have a tendency to get an idea in my head, and you can't see out of your own mistakes. But I can't find any way that um, I'm making them here. So I'm throwing out the data and so forth. I'm making the best conclusions I can. See what you think. So for a illustrative, what we know to be good and yet terrible if you use it by itself, which is fair. You can't use anything by itself, so we shouldn't expect to. But breakout age with a 30% dominator rating. If you remember back to college statistics, that's when you have the first year or the age you are um, when you get 30% of your team's receiving production, touchdowns and yards. That's dominator rating. And the year you are, when that happens, um, we calculate a breakout age, the age you are, mid-season, start season, late season, depending on which source you're looking at. Or you can look at a decimal breakout age based on the month they were born um, at midpoint in that season, and that's where the decimal age comes from. So within before 2018 so everyone's had you know three years to play in the nfl the average breakout age of players drafted in the first three rounds using a 30 percent breakout age threshold which according to rotovirs and also my own research is the best threshold metric or measurement of the age at which players hit uh, that particular threat uh, production threshold and that it has the best hit rates right um, is 20.6. Uh, it's a little higher than we normally talk about with 18 and 19 age breakouts because 30% of the team's receiving production is a significantly high barrier. In fact, some players like DK Metcalf, um, Michael Pittman, uh, come to mind, never even hit 30% of a threshold. Now, we're not getting, getting into those players, but not hitting the threshold of 30% doesn't mean you're a bad prospect because, again, one thing should never be used to entirely judge a player's profile. And that's kind of the whole problem with sellable, catchable, marketable phrases, and which in my head always boiled down to, oh, they're selling magic numbers. I can stop listening now. Um, and I'll try and illustrate some why that is. Um, so the breakout age, the average breakout age of players drafted in the first three rounds is 20.6. So for breakout age, I've just got two categories. Over 20.6... In other words, a bad breakout age, or under 20.6. In other words, a good breakout age. Since uh, 2001 to 2018, 85 players have been drafted with a bad, or a good, sorry, breakout age under 20.6. 
Um, 43 had a top 24 season. 12 of them had a... Oh, sorry. 31 of them had a top 12 season. 17 had a top 5 season. And when you take the percentage of the group compared to how many hit at those three thresholds, and that's at least one. They could have had multiple in um, in any of those categories. And that means 50% of those wide receivers with a breakout age of 20.6 hit a top 24 threshold, about 50% of the group. About 36.5% of the group hit a top 12 threshold in fantasy production, and 20% hit a top 5. 36.5 hit a top 12, and 20% hit a top five threshold. For comparison, those with a quote-unquote bad breakout age, 35.6 had a top 24 season, 20% had a top 12 season, and 5% um, or 13% had a top five season. Apologize. So ultimately, what we see here in the top 24 category, the lowest threshold of production or fantasy relevance, is about a 20% difference in the two hit rate groups. And it's very, very significant that 26 players hit at a top 24 threshold with a quote-unquote bad breakout age. That's the whole point. If you just look at breakout age, you're going to let some slip through. But the percentage tells us that only very few through this rather gigantic sample size for NFL statistics is 20-year or 18, 19-year sample. Only 26 players broke out with a bad breakout age. And that's only looking at the... Uh, the 30% threshold decimal age. Um, we look at age-adjusted production because that's where the signal's coming from, and you can actually improve that, but we're not getting into that. So that's essentially the difference. It's not that it rules out that a player can be productive in the NFL, but it's a fairly clear indicator that some players require more optimism than not just looking at this single statistic. And we have to dig into those with quote-unquote, bad breakout ages to try and see if there's some of those, quote-unquote, outliers. Now, outlier is a word I try not to use anymore, especially in rookie evaluation, because it's way overused. But if something seems to be a commonality of producers for fantasy in the NFL, and you produce without it, you're an outlier to the main group, because that's the thing the majority of that group actually possess. That's, to me, what an outlier is. It's come to mean anything I got wrong at this point or mean anything I want, which is why I try and stop using the word. But that's what I mean by it. It is a common feature of wide receivers, in this case, who produce. And therefore, if you are producing without that common feature, you're an outlier to the main group. A lot of times it's used in reverse. You're an outlier if you don't have a positive thing on a stat I like, even though it's not a commonality of the main group, which is where combine stats kind of live but anyway so i put that in there mainly just as a base rate look this is terrible this is how terrible but it actually has signal and through the whole group of all combine statistics nothing came close to that big of a differential or difference in hit rate groups you get 50 percent right at the top 24 threshold and um, right just using a 30 percent breakout threshold draft in the first three rounds and you only get 35 percent right if you just took those with bad breakout ages. So this is a difference of around 20 players or uh, 17 players in that top 24 thresh, uh, breakout rate over the last 20 years. And that's more than one player per year that you'll be getting wrong if you just ignore this feature. It is interesting, and an interesting trend in all of these, that when you're looking at the heights of production, i.e. top five seasons or multiple top five seasons, even combine stats 
that I summarily dismiss when I'm doing, you know, attempting to do, you know, soundbite analysis or something people might be able to understand, readily grab onto and remember in their drafts or their own process. Um, those those seem to have, uh, like, having the best of the best numbers in those categories does seem to be a positive. So, for example, um, having a quote-unquote good BMI um, or a good weight or a good height there is a significant difference between uh, the good and the bad being over or under the average um, for that top five season. But the problem is when you're getting to the sample size of those who hit top five seasons, it's such a small number. Um, for example, 17 wide receivers with a good breakout age have a top five season since two, before 2018 and 10. And with a bad breakout age, it's such a small number that a significant percentage difference, in this case 20 and 13, so a whole 7% difference, right? It only accounts for seven players over 20 years. So since we get about three players that hit every class, or three and a half, three to four players that hit on average per class, the idea that you would make a distinction between I prefer this player over that player, or they off being equal, based on... A, based on uh, BMI or breakout age essentially means um, that there's no statistical value in doing that. It's less than a whole person. It's not actually overly useful. Now, if all things are equal, yes, because there is a statistical difference in hit rates in that top five season, it's it's valid to say I prefer this player over that player just because he has a slightly better number in whatever particular number floats your boat whether it's 40 time bmi or breakout age whatever you find personally to have the highest hit rate um actually just scanning through i can tell you vertical actually has the higher highest hit rate category um for uh and actually that might be calculating wrong i'm not going to say that but let's not get into it because the whole point is that it's such a small group with top that ultimate ceiling is such a small group that any significant percentage difference essentially boils down to not meaning very much on a case-by-case basis. And now the other part of that is it's always if all things are equal. And I have yet to ever see two players or a group of players, two play, even two players, that are close enough we could reasonably say all things are equal and so just use breakout age or just use BMI I mean it happens especially once we get draft capital and the likelihood of hitting becomes a lot closer based on uh, draft values or the predictability of success with different draft capital but ultimately all things are not equal there's always some modifying factor from one player or the other which makes them look very different but yeah, ultimately having better combine stats or a better breakout age, if all things were equal, you just take the better number. But what the signal, I think, is actually telling us is that we can find significant hit rate differences if we consider age-adjusted production. But combine production, the numbers are so similar in terms of percentage hit rates in good and bad that essentially even in that top five, four, top 24 category, there's not a statistically significant difference enough to warrant u- utilizing it at all. And in fact, if I think I think if we dig into the common sense logic behind the assumption that a quote-unquote better athlete would be better in the NFL, we actually find while it makes a lot of common sense on the face of it, there's also a lot of common sense reasoning once we see that there isn't a statistically di- significant difference 
can also explain why we should ignore it because something is common sense until you recognize that it's not actually working that way and there's actually other common sense reasons to explain quick illustration of that off the top of my head is it makes sense that first round players have the ultimate upside it's the best thing in the best a single measurement we have of whether a player is going to be likely to produce fantasy points. And yet over the last three years, the best ultimate upside has not come from the first round. This year, notwithstanding with Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle, like some of the highest upside we've seen comes from the second round in years where players in the first round hit, but not quite as hard. So what's the common sense reasoning behind that? Well, draft capital in and of itself is not a skill or a talent or an ability to score fantasy points. What it is, is is indicating levels, likely levels of opportunity in order to enact your talent and your skill to score fantasy points in the NFL. Further, if you have higher likelihood of getting opportunity, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily, or necessarily have the, or going to play in a way that's going to score the most fantasy points within your career it's just it doesn't make sense when you just think about it and when you look at the results and realize that just because you have more likelihood of getting opportunity which is draft capital doesn't mean you're more likely of scoring the most fantasy points in a group because you might be dk metcalf you might be calvin johnson that's a bad example because dk metcalf was drafted later all right moving on Draft capital in itself doesn't indicate ceiling, it indicates likelihood of opportunity, which is also common sense. All right, that failure of an example off the top of my head, notwithstanding. How does BMI, for example, compare to breakout age? And I I was mostly doing that as a tangent to give you a break from me reading numbers. Well, since before 2018, the average BMI of players drafted into the NFL in the first three rounds at the wide receiver position is 26.8. So a good BMI is 26.8 or over, and a bad BMI is 26 under 26.8. Not that they are actually good or bad, they're just easy, easy to tag the categories with those names so we know roughly what we're trying to look at. 96 players were drafted with a bad BMI since in that in that year range, 2001-2018, in the first three rounds. 33 hit for a top 24 season, 21 hit for a top 12 season, 9 hit for a top 5 season. Those percentages work out of the 96 total to 34% hit for a top 24 season, 21 hit, 21% hit for a top 12 season, 9% hit for a top 5 season. And once again, notice that bad BMIs hit constantly throughout all three thresholds. Now, one of the things about combine stats before I get to the good group is that unlike breakout age, no one's readily willing to admit that players with quote-unquote bad stats can hit the ultimate upsides of a top five season for fantasy or multiple top five seasons for fantasy, as a matter of fact. What they want to do is shift that window that we're looking at Instead of just looking over and under the average, if you just look in this Goldilocks range, one of my the things I've liked to meme about with BMI is that window that we like to shift. We like to shift that window. Stefan Diggs happens, and suddenly it's not twenty-seven and over. We don't round up. No, 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 no. It's twenty-six point eight. So we move it down to twenty-six, and we get Stefan Diggs. 
But then Devontae Smith declares in a tough to evaluate draft cap, cap, draft class because there are a lot of interesting and currently productive prospects. So we shifted it back up to 27, and Devontae Smith gets smashed for having a BMI under 26. In the year of our Lord Marcus Brown, that's, that's what this year is called now, by the way, who also has a low BMI. Now, in the good category, the good BMI category, within that damn range, within the first three rounds, 115 players were drafted with a good BMI. So the first thing to notice is even just looking at the average, significantly more players are drafted with a good BMI than a bad BMI. 45 hit for a top 24 season, 32 hit for a top 12 season, and 19 hit for a top 5 season. Now right off the bat, all those numbers are higher, right? But they are fairly proportional to the difference in the sample sizes. In other words... 39% 39% hit for a top 24 season, as opposed to 34%. 27% hit for a top 12 season, as opposed to 21%. So we're seeing a 6 and 7% differences in the hit rates. 16% hit for a top 5 season, as opposed to 9% hitting for a top 5 season. Now again, that last category, that's a, that's significant, right? That's from 9 to 16 in the top category. That seems to indicate that the highest ceiling is with the good BMI category. I agree. It's a difference of nine players when you look at the actual numbers over a 20-year sample or an 18, 19-year sample, which essentially means much less than one player a class, though. So the reason I say it that way is to put it in practical terms, if in a single class you're deciding between two players, if if ever a crazy situation happened where all else was equal, like you watch the tape and you got the exact same fifis about both of them, but one had a good BMI and one had a bad BMI, less than half a person a class would it be a good idea to ever make the decision based on their good or bad BMI category? Like... So, yeah, it's still, despite that significant percentage difference, it's such a small category of hits that it doesn't provide uh, with, well, to put it in another term, outside of a standard deviation, um, enough validation to choose one player over the other using just BMI. Now, obviously, those who like BMI in their evaluation, and honestly, there's plenty of, why ignore information? I'll come to how I think any of this is relevant, as we've talked about before, um, or useful in analysis or college and prospect evaluation um, later. But um, no one just looks at BMI, right? So they're not saying just choose on BMI. They just say it's interesting that there is a higher hit rate category there. And I agree. But it's drastically worse than the hit rate capital hit rate groups just of breakout age and breakout age is quantifiably terrible if you are just using one thing and yet even by that standard there's a 20% difference in likelihood of hitting with being over or under the average and in this case in the best case scenario there's a 9% difference in the top 5 category which helps you out less than a third of a person a draft class like it shouldn't be used if deciding between two players deciding between five maybe if all things were equal sure (laughs) but again it's relatively hard to find an example where you could reasonably say two players were equal outside of everything else and so just use their bmi or their breakout age let alone uh two let alone five so 
what's going on here. And this, this is consistently true for all combine stats. The so 40 time, um, the relevant difference between the good and bad groups is around about 6 or 7% in terms of hit rate category of having a top 24 season, which breaks down to about 8 players over a 18, 19 year sample size, so less than a whole person a class. Whereas if I remember, go back to the breakout age number, again, as a baseline, there's a whole 20 players difference between hitting for a top 24 season and not within reasonable, reasonably similar groups as well. There's not a disproportion at the rate they're drafted. 85 were drafted with a good breakout age. 73 were drafted with a bad breakout age. So it's around eight players difference over 20 years as opposed to 20 and 30 players difference in the sample sizes and with most combine stats. So here's what's going on, I think. And I used to illustrate this with Avengers, like if you're the Flash or the Hulk, but that still limits us to thinking about their physical abilities, and we really need to throw that out. By the time you get to the NFL, you are so filtered for your physical ability in terms of how you might or do play the wide receiver position that your physical ability is nonsensical to look at. That's why the numbers are nonsensical to make decisions with. But it makes common sense, right? You're a better athlete. You're more likely to be good at football. By the time you get in the NFL, you're good at football. Even if you're an undrafted free agent, you are in the good at football category. And I don't care how many players we get mad at in the NFL. We're looking at such an elitely filtered group. Like, I can't find another group socially that is as filtered to a top tier of people outside of maybe astronauts in NASA. Like the levels of filtering from getting accepted, from exceeding, from getting drafted, and from getting selected for college scores to getting into certain high schools. Talking to Travis May, he says there's actually a very small number of high schools that like 86% of players in the NFL actually come from. Just getting into those high schools is fairly difficult to play football which puts you on the path to being filtered towards the NFL. Now, inherently in that, by the way, like with draft capital, there's bias. Like you more likely get higher draft capital if you're from a higher conference, which is actually fine. why I find it better to oftentimes, between good profiles, fade conference because you may well be filtering for preference. You played at Clemson doesn't actually mean, like having draft capital, you are essentially going to be better in the NFL for fantasy. And you're kind of double counting a pre-accepted bias that players from Clemson are better. In the similar fashion, you'll find other barriers to entry where good players or essentially better players aren't getting on the best path towards the NFL. And so either don't even get in as undrafted free agents or ne never play football in college or anywhere else. We're probably missing a lot because of unconscious and conscious biases we have about and some of this social filtering that we do with all groups. But I'm getting into my social science teacher hat here and I need to move on. We're just playing fantasy. Let's, let's just do that. So, ultimately what I'm saying is by the time you're drafted or undrafted into the NFL, you're already in the good at football category. In other words, you, you and me, literally you and me, if you are a slightly better athlete, if you have a slight or much better athlete, I assume, a better 40 time or a better BMI, you will probably be better at any individual sport we happen to pick, whether it's football or netball or tiddlywinks or, or whatever, because there is a natural advantage from your physique to mine. 
which is true of everyone. I have terrible physique at this point. <laughs> but comparing two players that are going or are in the NFL on that level stops making common sense. They're already filtered for their physical ability to play however they play that position of football by the time they get there. If I have a slightly better 40 time than an NFL player, I guarantee that NFL player is better at football, and that's not just because of his knowledge, it's because of his physical ability to play football. Even if I trained and got all the same training, um, his natural ability is, at football is much likely to be better than mine as, as base rate, even though he's had a lot of training to get into it. They're already filtered down for the types of things we're trying to identify with combine statistics. And in fact, combined statistics are more useful for predicting draft capital, especially when you take some other some of the other biases into account, like school and conference and everything else. So trying to make a decision between who's going to make score more fantasy points using combined stats doesn't literally doesn't work. Um, for these common sense reasonings, it, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think so. It makes a lot of common sense. It must be common because it's just me and I'm not a statistical genius or nothing. But by the time two players are drafted in the first three rounds in the NFL, they're already good at football. At base, they are naturally better, much more likely to be naturally better at football than anyone we could compare them to where physicality or their physical abilities make sense. Now, where combined statistics, I do think have utility is understanding how they might play the position and how that might relate to the NFL, especially based on where they are drafted to. If you're DK Metcalf drafted to the Seahawks, that's highly interesting, right? And he actually had significant uh, receiving production, but it didn't stand out to me because most of it looked low because he played a limited sample. And it was Jake Anderson who said, you really need to dig into this guy in this congested situation because while he was limited by injury, while he was on the field, he was actually pretty impressive. And so you, that's what led me to dig in and not get him quite wrong, despite constantly not liking him to Jake just to make him mad. Um, the fact is, it seemed like there were three good players coming from that conference. In fact, there were only two. And there were two that are actually successful from that team. Um, they were getting uh, injured and not injured off. And that, that was readily apparent when you look, dug in, but the numbers themselves didn't make DK make us stand out, especially once you ignore combine statistics. It was only when you dug in based on what they looked like with film, which is why I always end up on the outside of all groups because nerds don't like me because I'll, 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 I don't end up in the same place as a lot of nerds who are better at statistics than me, clearly, because I don't because this is the way I evaluate. And I don't end in the same place as take grinders because, again, this is the way I evaluate and it's not one or the other. In fact, most processes aren't one or the other, but I honestly think that's why I end up fighting with people on both sides who are primarily one side or the other. Anyway, that that was a, an unnecessary aside. All right, a, a further illustration I've done of this is literally... Because when I started, this is what I thought I would do, like find the best hit rate category, which I'm still trying to do. Find the best percentage hit rate or the likelihood of hitting in the end. That's all I'm trying to identify, not skill, not talent, not trying to find a magic number. And once you get rid of all of that, I think I've increasingly become more accurate. And I started off pretty hot. I'm Sorry, I did. So 
Um, I thought that just looking at what is significant and then filtering group, filtering draft classes by those things that are actually significant above and over, over, over and under certain thresholds, you'd find the best group to take bets on in rookie drafts. Now, the first thing that happens is you end up identifying if you don't end up excluding um, some of the best prospects, which you kind of always do with combine statistics and thresholds. Um, but if you don't end up doing that, what you end up doing is highlighting such a big group with such significant draft capital in the first three rounds that essentially you have no edge to making decisions in your rookie drafts. It just, yeah, they're, they're all, if there are good players on there, they're all well-known and there's no real way to uh, rank them using those thresholds because of the way the signal works out. And so it ended up being useless for that reason. But another reason is it, it doesn't it doesn't actually highlight fairly good groups. For example, all I did is filter wide receivers um, in the same sample, uh, well, over the last 20 years, by 40 time and vertical because I needed to find a way to filter it to, you know, less than 20 players per class. And their weight-adjusted speed score, because that tends to be uh, work out a little better for wide receivers, and their BMI. Um, for the wide receiver position draft in the first three years. Now, the last few draft classes have been some of the most historically great, especially when taken in some, um, that we've ever seen. 2014 was amazing, but 2020 and 2021, especially when you consider them back-to-back, kind of blows it out of the water, right? So, of the last two draft classes, here are the players that stand out, just using those combine thresholds. Chase Claypool and Michael Pittman. That's it. From the last two draft classes, those are the ones who cross the good thresholds in vertical BMI 40 time and weight adjusted speed score. If I remove one of them, then the number blooms up to so much that essentially you don't need any of it. So the minute you try and apply or combine these statistical data points together, you end up literally just ruining what you're trying to do which is find a good group of players to want in rookie drafts it literally destroys it i mean jamar chase doesn't end up in this group neither does cd land like any of the players you'd really want i mean chase claypool great and if you dig back far enough aj brown hit that threshold which is great too and so did dk metcalf but those aren't all on even the players you wanted from those draft classes so far and if in case you just think i'm just pooping on the ones that i don't like Here's something, if you just remove everyone who doesn't have a breakout age at the 30% threshold, Pittman and Claypool, who've had significant success in the NFL, drop away, and the next player on the list is Nikhil Harry. He has a good breakout age of 19.71 in the decimal breakout age category. So, over the last three years, Nikhil Harry will be the only one who crossed all the thresholds we just mentioned. Why the fuck would you... Sorry... I meant to be respectful. Why Why would you ever pay attention to combine statistics? I have no idea. Or think that breakout age was a good way of filtering instead of an interesting data point making a player more or less interesting to dig into or needing more explanation or needing less explanation for their draft capital ultimately. I mean, I don't know. DK Metcalf didn't hit that 30% threshold, so he would have disappeared. So does Terry McClellan. Uh, yeah, it, it's the threshold or the idea we're going to filter by thresholds using the combine or even breakout age to a significant group of players that we want to highlight does not bear out in practice. And 
elite breakout age because there's a significant difference in hit rate categories across the board where it's significantly where the sample size is actually fairly similar as opposed to combine statistics where the, the sample size tends to be more significantly different in other words the nfl is already adjusting for these things to a degree for us in that they're drafting those with bad numbers and again simply thinking of it as simple a simple duality um, at a lower rate and they're hitting reasonably at the same rate based on how often they're drafted in the first three rounds one other point to try and dispel this notion for yourself not because again this information is useful it tells you a lot about the role they might play or how they might excel in the excel in the nfl tells us a lot about what their potential is in that individual situation like evaluating dk metcalf versus uh, Jarvis Landry, it's possible to identify both as good prospects, but you have different expectations for how they're going to play in the NFL. A lot of that has comes down to um, how they're built. So what kind of production, what kind of role we can expect them to have in the NFL. Not purely, because if you just use combine statistics, um, tall means outside receiver, and short means inside receiver, or speed means outside receiver, and it's just a lot of that becomes nonsensical as well. But ultimately, it's a better way of applying it. If being a better athlete once you get to the NFL made you more likely to be more fantasy productive, this should work the opposite. The more, and that's why. I, just logically, I thought this would be a way to filter for a better group that I could highlight in my drafts and be more accurate. If having positive numbers in these better athlete categories um, made logical sense, despite common sense, combining them would increase your hit rate category, not decrease it. And it doesn't. It literally works the opposite way. If you try and combine good athletic traits, essentially what you create is a group of pure misses or a group that is so uh, wide or so small that it makes it, depending on how you filter it, that it makes you ultimately makes it ultimately fruitless and useless. It makes sense. I, I insist that uh, because it does make sense, you go through the process of finding the numbers, finding the thresholds, and filtering by draft class to see how it works for you. Um, but ultimately, having done all that, I find it entirely useless. Combine numbers and a BMI, 40 time, weight, these are entirely useful, useless in just trying to decide between two individual players or a group of players. Because despite there being statistically significant upside in being the right player with the right numbers, being Calvin Johnson versus being Marcus Graham, for example, um, they, they are not good ways, they are not good data points to make decisions on which prospect to like or not like because the common sense that being a better athlete works at makes you better at football doesn't bear out in practice if because when you combine them together you don't create a, a threshold system that identifies the best players in the nfl what you end up doing is creating a threshold system which identifies meh and crap you identify crap prospects for fantasy at least um, entering in the NFL and that's not the way it should work so the other common sense explanation that actually explains what's happening is by the time they get to the NFL their physical ability and that how they're going to play the game or how they do play the game is already well filtered for that that's why it doesn't work and that's why they're essentially useless
and they are essentially useless. Like I have increasingly gotten more accurate, and again, it's all public. You can see my ranks and my model that I do update, but I also have the history of it. And I'm not the best in the world. I'm not going to definitely identify every prospect, but my ranks have got increasingly more accurate, again, despite starting pretty hot uh, five years ago or so. So the point that this year, the only player I felt I significantly had too low was uh, Jalen Waddle, And he came with notes and caveats of this guy didn't play enough and I don't really have a good grasp of it. Um, but I still probably ranked him too low based on his draft capital, but it's fun to take big shots because I'm not getting good results by not taking big swings. Like Terry McClellan um, was a big swing that I missed. Terrence Marshall, I got heat on every side of every aisle. Like apparently he was a great prospect and he had the draft capital and the size and the BMI and per game and there was statistics, like nerds hated me for it. Like that was not a small swing. It was not a safe play and yet my ranks look great this year honestly not that I'm winning all my leagues because my ranks look great but I think the process continues um, to prove that it makes me make better decisions more often in fantasy football and that's all I'm trying to do so I encourage you to look at the data encourage you to watch some YouTube videos or come talk to me on Twitter where I'm much more soundbitey and I make it more entertaining and fun crosswords it's sometimes fun, but often I just try and make it a, an actual conversation. Like, uh, that's the whole point with Jake, rather than trying to hammer home a point by purely through entertainment. Because, honestly, I would rather you get it better, more right than I do. And uh, the best way of doing that is explain what I do know, and hopefully you can improve it uh, for yourself, if not for other people. And by adding your own knowledge and doing your own experimentation, your own research. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, not a short episode this week. So apparently, talking slow, expecting it only to be 10 minutes long, less longer. Um, yeah, uh, while there is a difference in hit rate groups with, BR, with combined statistics, BMI, weight, height, 40 time, the sample sizes um, tend to hit proportional to the rate at which they're drafted. And the hit rate differences, while they might sound significant, like, 9 to 16 or 34 to 39 for the BMI categories 21 to 27 see it's clearly higher but once you consider the actual sample of players over the uh, over the years we're looking at like it's not whole persons it's not making statistical difference between two individual players which something even something like BMI shows that it potentially could more like at twice the rate and yet still, I would encourage you not to make a decision on two different players just using breakout age. Like, it doesn't work. And that's twice the, the hit rate difference in anything, literally anything from the combine. And if you combine them, it gets even worse. Like, anyway, that's it. Um, check out the table. Again, uh, obviously, it's pinned to my timeline. It's pinned to my Patreon timeline. It is wholly free. Uh, made up of uh, the generous work of numerous friends of mine which just helped me get this data and learn to calculate this data and, and put it out. And it's just in the Combine tab. You can literally see the numbers I'm reading off and, and see for yourself. Or you can use it to create your own just in case you think I'm writing the formulas wrong or not counting it right. Or what if I filter not for over average but shift that window which is where we get into that sloppy fuzzy thinking a lot of nfl analysis likes to but whatever you do you um or, or whatever 
Um, I think it's interesting. At least it tells you what's actually true as opposed to the sound bites we tend to get sold on it. Um, so yeah, check it out or don't. Uh, let me know what you think. And uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you did, and if you didn't, that's okay. Actually, clearly, I just enjoy this at this point. Um, I enjoy talking it out. Let, hopefully, I get to talk about it with you at some point. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on that weekly show. Hit me up on Patreon or anywhere else I am. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical